Who's staying? Who's going? Going is K through two. And so if you're a three, four, and five, third, fourth, and fifth grader, come down here and get a packet. I think we may have done that backwards, but it's okay. Who's leaving? Kindergarten, first, and second grade. All right. So third, fourth, and fifth graders, if you'll come down and if you'll grab a, uh, a packet, if you would like one, uh, if you want to do something different, that's your call as well. Tom, come on up. I uh, just want to ask you, just remind you, uh, again, we've taken a step of faith. We've, we've been obedient with uh, bringing uh, Josh and Aubrey on, very excited about that. Uh, but it takes, our, it takes faithfulness on our part as well. So we're uh, super excited about what God's doing, but we want to make sure that we're holding up our end as well. Um, I am, I'm just always stupid excited, so um, maybe that's just the theme of my life. Uh, I am very excited this morning. Uh, several weeks ago, I, I got to introduce you to the pastor that uh, married Julie and I, and, and that was exciting. Uh, Bryant is a friend, and, and that's just it was just great to have him here for our weekend intensive. Um, but it's 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 a little different. Uh, he was my he was like my pastor. He was like my boss. And uh, Bryant had two phrases. One was "Hey, baby." And if he, if you got a hey baby, you knew you were going to get a compliment. You know you were going to get a pat on the back. But if you got a hey partner, <laughs> then you wanted to go the opposite direction. And so there was just always that boss aspect to it. But I enjoyed having Brian here. Today's a little different because although Tom has been my pastor, uh, I I just genuinely f- f- feel like this is one of my best friends. Uh, this is a, a Paul to my Timothy, um, a person who has just kind of invested in me. We met during a, a interim that we both served at at a church in St. Louis, and we've just been friends ever since. He is one of the greatest sources of encouragement in my in my life. Uh, he and Bo, he and Bo, Rhonda both are just an incredible gift of God to Julie and I. And we tried to have him right when we got here, but then this little thing called COVID happened, and that didn't work out. And then we tried to have him again, and I think there was a death in, in the life of your church, and so he couldn't be here for that. So they were just uh, vacationing uh, around the Jekyll Island area, and we just decided to um, use that as an opportunity to have him here to do the marriage stuff tonight, the parenting stuff in the morning. Um, but I could not be uh, more grateful to have my friend in front of you today. So uh, church family, she's right over there. Rhonda, would you just wave at everybody? Would you welcome Dr. Tom and Rhonda Hufty this morning? Wow, thank you all. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Un- totally undeserved, but very, very grateful. And uh, I am, Rhonda and I are, and will always be, Jonathan and Julie Key fans. They are special people in our lives, and um, I'm just so grateful to have the friendship. Last night we had dinner together, and I've asked him how long he'd been here, you know, and then he started to tell me, and I thought, wait a second, and I opened up my journal on my phone, my prayer journal, and I looked that, you know, I put my prayer request here, and then I put when they're answered. July 19th, Jonathan and Julie and the girls go to Indian Atlantic. And uh, prayer answer, check. And um, you all have been on our hearts, and, and we're just so grateful and humbled and honored to be here today. I know that you are in this uh, series, you're talking about your shape, and I don't know how that first hit you when Jonathan said, we're going to talk about your shape, but 
Um, you know, I know you've talked about spiritual gifts, and, and today we're, we're in your heart, your passion, and stuff like that. Today we're going to talk about personality, and so I wanted to fit that in here. But first, a math problem, okay? I know what you're thinking. I didn't think when I came to church there would be math. Um, so here's, here's the math problem. I want to start off by everybody picking a number between 1 and 10. When you've got it, say got it. Very good. So I want you to remember that number. It's very important that you remember this number, the number that you just thought of, okay? So I want, I'm going to count to three, and I want everybody to say this number out loud. Ready? One, two, three. Okay, like I said, it's an extremely important number. I want you to really remember this, okay? Because it's going to be on the test at the end. So remember this number one more time, just so you don't forget. Let's say it together. One, two, three. All right, now what I want you to do is I want you to take that number and I want you to double it in your mind. Double it in your mind. You got it? Okay, now what I want you to do is I want you to take that number and I want you to add two to that number. You with me? Okay, now what we're going to do is we're going to take that number and we're going to divide it by two. You okay? All right, now... Real important move. I want you to take the original number that you said out loud, and I want you to subtract the original number that you said out loud. You with me? On the count of three, tell me what you came up with. One, two, three. Thank you, folks. I'm out of here. That was like a miracle, wasn't it? I mean, everybody picked their own different number. Everybody, some, I heard a four, I heard a seven, I heard a six. I heard these numbers that you were saying, and then you all came back to one. Is that not amazing? Let me tell you what we basically did. We basically did the four basic steps of math. We m multiplied, doubled it. We added two. Oh, we divided, and then the last thing we did was we subtracted. We basically did four steps of math, and we came back to one. Do you know the last prayer that Jesus prayed that we know of on the, before he went to the cross was that all of us would become one? We have come into this place from different backgrounds. You have different influences in your life. You have different, different personalities, Yet, if we would just do some basics, we could become one. You know, for you who all are married, and by the way, just uh, tonight, really excited about the time that we're going to have together. You're going to uh, meet Rhonda in a more personal way today or tonight, and uh, it'll be a lot of fun. You'll laugh, hopefully you'll learn, but we're going to make sure that you laugh more, okay? Maybe then you'll learn. But we want you to learn as well. But we're going to... In, in a wedding, you've seen this happen, that they'll quote the scripture, the pastor or whoever's officiating the wedding might quote the scripture, the two shall become what? One. One. Now, I don't know how that happens. Uh, my wife, Rhonda, and I have been married for 41 years. I know some of you are saying, whew, that's, that's a long time. We're not to the point that you started clapping yet. That's good. Because usually there's a certain threshold, you know, that people that have been married for 50 years, oh, Oh, everybody looks, oh, that's, you know, 41, it's, well, that's a long time, but 41 years we've been married, and we, we're, we're different, okay? But yet, being different, we're still called to be one. 
And I don't know how that happens, but after 41 years, we can have a conversation, a full discussion, and never say a word. We, we know each other. We, that's what I think becoming one is all about. Our personalities are totally, totally different. Um, our backgrounds are different. I'll give you this example. I'm a closet slob, okay? I mean, why, why, why do the dishes when you still have clean ones up in the, in the cupboard? Uh, that, that's me before I married Rhonda. Um, why, why just wear your socks one day? I realize I'm crossing some people's line already, aren't I? When you can just kind of lay them out, let them dry out, they're good for another day. In fact, they're, better, they're more form-fitting. So, so we fell in love, got married, and lived happily ever after for about a week. And, and she realized that she had married a closet slob. And she's not that way. That's not her personality. That's my personality. And, and she, she, she um, took me on at that point and said, listen, I don't mind you being a closet slob if you don't mind sleeping outside. And I did mind sleeping outside, so I decided to not be a closet slob anymore, but I said, I need help. And so she put me in her 12-step program for recovering slobs. <laughs> and she's been working on me and tweaking me. And I can see some of you wives out there are just nudging, making a little nudge right here. Um, but something miraculous happened a few years back. A few years back... Um, I was downstairs in my study, it was a, it was a Sunday morning, it was, my study is just off the family room, and, and I was downstairs in the study, and I was working on the, picking up my notes and stuff for the message that I was going to be speaking, to. and I, I, I walked out of my study, out across the floor of the uh, family room. And the family room is where we live. It's where we do life. It's where we watch movies. It's where we eat popcorn and pizza. And I'm walking across the, the family room floor, and I look down and I see a piece of popcorn. Now get this. I'm walking and I see it. I stopped. I bent down and I picked it up. And I didn't eat it. <laughs> I walked over to the trash can and I threw it in the trash can. And when I threw it in the trash can, this thought occurred to me. Who are you? <laughs> what has happened to the closet slob? And then it dawned on me and I realized what had happened to me. I'd been introduced to a higher standard. And I loved it. Now if you were to say to me, <laughs> took 41 years. Um, if you were to say to me, hey, Tom, why don't you go back and wouldn't you like to go back and live in that three-room apartment, not three-bedroom, just three-room apartment with those old college guys that you grew up with and, and went to school with? Wouldn't you love to go back and just hang out with those guys? There's no way. You see, because I've been introduced to a higher standard. Now, our personalities are different, but we started growing in oneness. 
Now, does that mean when you grow in oneness that there's no conflict? And, and, and there's still conflict, okay? Typically, our conflict is around driving. We've got to that point. In fact, my wife Rhonda has, has proclaimed to me, God has revealed something to her. One day I was driving and she turned around to me and she says, you know, a lot of people don't, don't know where they're going to die. I do. It's right here. <laughs> right here in the passenger seat. I should be grateful that I know where it's going to happen. It's going to be right here. Just put some flowers on me because I don't think I can handle this anymore. Now, I don't know if that makes you feel good or not, but we're different personalities and we've grown in this oneness. We're going to be talking about some of that stuff tonight, but I want to zero in on some personality things today because God made us and we're different, but yet we're made in his image. So we carry different aspects of his image and some people are organized and structured and analytical, and some people are fly by the seat of their pants. Who cares? Let's just have fun. Then there are people who says, can't we all just get along? And then there are people that says, we're doing it and we're doing it now. And for some reason, God often takes the person who is organized and structured and detailed and an analyzer, and somehow hooks them up with people who are fly by to the seat of their pants. And that's what happened in, in our life. When we first met, it was my spontaneity, I think, that tr attracted her. Uh, she didn't know that. She, I mean, she was just, she, she didn't know what kind of vibe I was putting out, but she, she bought it, okay? And, and that's what she liked about me. I didn't know really as a 20-year-old, as a I didn't really know how to articulate what I liked about her other than she just had it all together. I mean, she just had it all together. She had a strong belief system I really admired. She, had, she was, you know, a little sarcastic, which is a, a gift, but it's a dark one, you know. Uh, she, she had that, and I really liked that. And, and so it was those, those opposite things that attracted us about our personalities. Because what, what we've learned since then is she was saying, I need more fun in my life. And what I was saying was, I need more structure in my life. But I didn't know how to say that, but that's really what I was saying. That's really what I wanted. And, and so after about a week or a month of marriage, that spontaneity started getting on her nerves. It's like, I love for you to have fun, but get serious for a little bit. Did I raise my voice when I said that? <laughs> you know, one day I was, I was um, doing a message. Actually, it was on personalities. This has been years and years ago. And uh, I was just talking about how God has wired us all differently, and, and it's a beautiful thing. And he wants us to become one. I, I, it, was, it, was a, it was a fun time. I mean did this message, and I, and I was talking about Rhonda, and I was talking about me, and I said, this, this personality profile that, that you guys will be taking, and, and we've taken before, um, this personality profile, um, there's one personality that, that, well, there's four different quadrants or whatever, but anyway, not to get into that, uh, the, the term is sanguine, okay? And, and, and what I did was I was telling people, I'm, I'm a sanguine. Did you notice 
my gesture when I said that. I'm a sanguine. I'm a sanguine. So, so anyway, I went on and told about what a sanguine was like. And then I, I said, now, Rhonda, my wife, she's a melancholy. Did you catch that gesture? Now, I didn't know I was making those gestures, but evidently I was. Because when I got home that day, well, I forgot we had, you know, we had church and I did that and people were just amazed at the message and everything. And I'm just kidding. I really am kidding because I got home that day. Not everybody was amazed with it. Um, I got home that day and, and um, you know, I like affirmation. That's important to me to know that I'm doing well. But, and I'm sure for many of you, you like affirmation. But if it comes from Rhonda, it weighs a ton more than anybody else's affirmation. I mean, just to know in her mind that I did a good job, man, that's gold to me. And, and so I get home that day, and, and she is uh, fixing lunch. And our kids were smaller at that time, and, and I went home, and when I got there, um, she, was, um, she had a meat cleaver. I can't remember exactly why she was, but anyway, she was chopping something at the counter. And I walked up to her, and I said, well, hey, What'd you think? She doesn't even look at me. She continues to cut the meat and says, about what? And I thought, well, I'm starved for affirmation, but I don't want to be that, you know, blatant with it. What did you, what'd you think about church? Never looked up, fine. Okay, well, I guess I am going to have to be blatant about it. I said, what did you think about the sermon? She stops, pivots, looks at me and said, you came out looking pretty good today, didn't you, Hufty? I didn't know that we had moved to a last name basis. <laughs> Evidently we had. To which I responded, what do you mean? And she said, you said, Tom's a sanguine. His personality's so fun. Everybody loves Tom. He's such a sweet, sweet, super guy. Rhonda's a melancholy. If you don't watch out, she'll chop your head off before you know it. <laughs> and I said, well, sweetie, what would you have said? She said, I would have said, Tom's a sanguine. <laughs> and Rhonda's a melancholy. You see, God made us all differently. But he made us in a way that I think we need to just dip a little bit in the surface today and understand. Psalm chapter 139. I want to draw this text attention to you. And if you have your sermon notes and you find anything at all that's worth writing down, you can put that down. Or these are used for pictures, I'm sure, that you can draw if you are inclined to. Listen to this passage of Scripture that David writes. He says, For you created my inmost being. This is Psalm 139, beginning with verse 13. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I will praise you because I have been remarkably 
and wondrously made. Your works are wondrous. That is David talking to God. And I know this very well. My bones were not hidden from you when I was made in secret, when I was formed in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw me when I was formless. All my days were written in your book and planned before a single one of them began. Talking about personalities, I want us to take from this scripture just three three little points about who you are. And really not only who you are, but who you're not as well. And the first one is this. You are not a surprise. You are strategic. You are not a surprise. Now, maybe your parents upon one occasion said, you know, we didn't expect you. You're a surprise. I know you love your parents. They're wonderful people. But in God's eyes, you're not a surprise. But you are strategic. You were made, and I think this is interesting. You know, a surprise is like an event. It's something that's unexpected. It's, it's, it's when you're blindsided by some news, and you can be blindsided. We all get surprised. You can be blindsided by bad news. You can be blindsided by good news. But notice that passage. It says, you, for you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I will praise you because I've been remarkably and wondrously made. You see, not only are you not a surprise, a lot of thought went into making you. God gave it a lot of thought. The way the Bible puts it is that you are remarkably and wondrously made. Did you get that? You were made. That means you were designed. Uh, and your design is unique. In fact, there's no one physically like you. Your fingerprint, your voice, unique. No one on the planet has ever had that fingerprint, that voice print. There is no copy of you. You, you may have children, and your children maybe resemble you, but they're not you. No, there was a thought process behind your making. How does that make you feel? To realize that you weren't a surprise. You, you're strategic to God's plan. What makes you you? Obviously, your, your body is a part of who you are. Your mind, the way you think, your spirit, your will, your emotions, all of this is a part of, of who you are. All of these things are unique. And without going into the, the DNA dis- discussion, Let's just pause to acknowledge that just as your body looks different from anybody else, so does your personality. God wired you, and he wired you strategically. But let me share this with you. Even though you picked a different number, and you came from a different background, and you have a different uh, personality, and we're all different in that regard, there are differences about us. Remember that no matter what your personality is, God has within that personality given you the capacity to grow. Let me say that again. God within that personality has given you the capacity to grow. Uh, Next week, um, I believe you're going to take this inventory. Is that right, Jonathan? You're going to take this inventory. Fight against this mindset. Um, That's what I am. Here, sweetie, read it. That's what you got. 
we can, we can enter into this Popeye syndrome, you know. Remember Popeye? I am what I am and that's all that I am. No, no, no. You see, God has given us this capacity to grow within whatever personality he has given us. You see, I stopped and picked up popcorn and didn't eat it. I had the capacity to grow. And now, I, and here's another thing I want you to remember. This, it, you might have a tendency right now, and you're thinking about maybe the, the weak sides of your personality. And you're saying, you know, I wish I didn't have such a short temper. I wish that I didn't get upset about little things. I wish I didn't think that I always had to be heard. I wish I didn't think that I was always right and that offended people. I just wish, you know, relationally that I could do better. This is not a shaming message, okay? We are people in process making progress. And what I'm saying is, is, is your five months from now does not have to look like your five months ago. Um, your tomorrow doesn't have to look like your yesterday. But today, we can say, I'm in process here. I'm not a surprise. I'm strategic in God's plan. Here's the second thing I want you to write down. And that is, you, what you are not, you are not a mistake. You are a masterpiece. You all didn't know my mom. Uh, but my mom um, had a way of saying things that were tremendously hurtful, and she didn't know it. Got anybody like that in your life? Please don't point right now, okay? Um, now, my mom loved me. There's no doubt about that. She protected me. She was a great mom. Occasionally, she would say things that were hurtful, and yet, you know, didn't know they were hurtful. Like the day that she told me, I was the baby of the family. I was the last one that came along. And she told me I was a mistake. Now, she didn't mean that I was a mistake or unwanted. What she was trying to say was, I was, I was unexpected. I was a surprise. That's at least what I've been telling myself over the last 50 years. Okay, But I want you to know that what this scripture teaches us, it teaches us this, that you're not a surprise, you're strategic. But you're not a mistake either. Notice he says in verse 15, my bones were not hidden from you when I was made in secret. So no matter the circumstances surrounding your conception, your birth and your presence here today was intentional. You are here by divine appointment. God didn't wake up this morning and say, how in the world did they get at that church today? No, you were a divine appointment. You're not a mistake because you know why? God doesn't make mistakes. You are made in his image. And in Genesis chapter 1, verse 27, he tells us that, that we were made in his image. And so, so David, as he writes this, David was not hidden from God even when he was in his mother's womb. You see, God was saying to David, when you were in your mother's womb, I didn't see an embryo. I didn't see a fetus. I saw David. What's that do for you when you realize he loves you? You are his beloved. Please don't let shame enter in here today of, of what you're not. Remember what you are. You are beloved by him. You are a beloved son and daughter of God. You are, if you know him, you are a beloved son and daughter of his, and which leads us to our third reason why we're here who we are. First of all, we're not a surprise. We're strategic. 
We're not a mistake. We're a masterpiece. And here's the third thing. You are not pointless. You were planned. Look at, look at verse 16. Your eyes, talking about God's eyes, your eyes saw me when I was formless. All my days were written in your book and planned. Did you see that word? And planned before a single one of them began. See, the Lord knew all of your days and all of my days from beginning to end. You see, he looks into eternity future and he sees making us, developing us, and making us a part of his plan. I love, um, and it's one of the... um, um, one of my favorite verses is Jeremiah 29, 11. And I'm sure many of you know this verse. If you don't, let me share a little bit about, about it with you. Jeremiah 29, it starts off as kind of a negative downer type chapter. It kind of ends up, it's kind of a negative downer type chapter. But right in the middle, there's this verse 11 where God says to Jeremiah, I know the plans I have for you. And they're plans not to destroy you, not to bring you harm, but they're plans to give you a hope and a future. And by principle, that is the same thing God has to say to us today. And there's something beautiful about God's plans. Three things real quick. Number one, God's plans for you are eternal. He's always had them. He is eternal. And you've always been on his radar, so he has always had plans for you. Here's the second thing about dynamic about God's plans for you. They're continual. There's not a time he's not thinking about them. He continually has his plans for you. Here's the third thing about God's plans for you. They're settled. You know what that means? It means he's not interested in your plans. He's interested in his plans being worked out through you. Uh, You'll hear more about um, our kids tonight and tomorrow. Um, We have two children, Zachary and Mackenzie, Zach and Mac. They're both adults now. Um, um, we had Zach, he was very compliant. He was yes sir, no sir, yes ma'am, no ma'am. He's the sweetest kid in the world. And so we thought, hey, <laughs> let's have another one. We're great parents. Um, we would raise our voice to Zachary. If we you know, want to get his attention, we'd raise our voice. Zachary Thomas, oh dad, he just kind of get emotional. Then we had McKenzie. Mackenzie is strong-willed, determined. Um, oh, I'm on video, right? Okay. Um, okay. In all of that, she's just the opposite of Zach in that regard. Uh, you raise your voice to Zach, he whimpers and cries. You raise your voice to her, she raises hers back. We called it good after two. We said, that's good. Um, You'll hear more about them. One day, Mackenzie, um, she was was real small. She was about three years old, two years, no, two two years old. I'm outside with a pushmore mowing. I'm just going back and forth mowing with my pushmore. She comes out in her little diaper, and she says, Daddy, me mow. And I thought, okay, this will be this will be fine. I said, okay, and so I put her on the mower, and she's reaching up, and she's kind of hanging on the bar as I'm pushing like this. And you know what? I had to slow down. 
and, and, and kind of entertain her. And, she, and she's really just kind of hanging. And then she does this. She turns around and she pushes me. And she says, no, Mimo. And I said, okay, you little brat. There it is. And so she's just hanging on and she can't move the mower. And then she turns around and says, help me. Do you know that's what we do lots of times? We say, God, I've, I've got this. I've got this. This is my agenda. This is my plan. And God is not interested in our plans. And sometimes he just takes all source of power away and says, I'm just going to show you. You can't do this without me. I, I don't know what kind of personality you have. But I want you to know this. Your life is not pointless. It's planned. God has a will for your life. He's not interested in your agenda. He's interested in his agenda being accomplished through you. And so what we're called to do is align ourselves with his agenda. Well, Tom, how do I know his agenda? Well, first of all, the easiest thing to realize is that God's word reflects God's will. And the more we get into his word, the more we learn about his will for us. And I don't want to live my life missing out on his will. I've done enough of that. I want to be in tune with his will. But one of the things I've learned about his will is regardless of what capacity, or excuse me, what personality we have, he's given us the capacity to grow. Um, because if you want to fulfill his will, and I'm going to oversimplify it, love one another. Love one another. Love people who are different than you. Love people when you don't feel like loving, because love's a decision, it's not a feeling. Love one another. Um, I'll close out with this. The, um, the idea of your personality having a capacity to grow. Remember, no matter what personality you have, you can fulfill God's plan in your life with that personality by loving one another. Jesus, greatest commandment. Love the Lord your God. Second, like it, love your neighbor as yourself. Love one another. All the other laws hang on that. So I'm, um, I'm, I'm speaking in Mississippi a while back. It was several years ago, actually. And um, I was speaking at this church. I was, it was a retreat, and I was very blessed and hon honored and humbled that God would even allow me to speak at this church. And I spoke twice on Friday night, twice on Saturday morning, twice on Saturday night, and twice on Sunday morning. And then I was flying back to St. Louis. And I was, I was done. After all that speaking, I was ready to go home. I was ready to go home and see Rhonda and the kids. And um, so the guy after church, my host, you know, I was, I got a plane got to catch in Jackson, Mississippi, and we're about, you know, an hour and a half away or so, and um, we're shaking hands with people, and he's shaking hands with everybody, and he's just shaking their hand, you know, and I'm thinking, you know, that's nice, you know, sanguine, saying hi to everybody, that's great, um, I got to catch a plane, and, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm becoming more like my wife, I got a schedule, and so anyway, um, I'm walking out to his truck, and he's getting stopped, and he's talking, you know, and, and I'm being nice and smiling, but I'm not meaning it. 
you know? I'm smi- you ever smiled and not meant it besides like right now? You just, I'm smiling but not meaning it. Um, we get in the truck and he says, man, didn't God bless? Wasn't this such a great week? And I said, yeah, it was great. I'm, I mean, I'm just done. And I'm not probably reflecting the love of Jesus like I should, but I'm not, you know, I'm not yelling, I'm not angry, you know, I'm, I'm just done. Gets me to the airport. And um, we get out of the truck and I'm, I grab my bags, I'm starting to run in. He said, hey, brother, brother's hug, you know? Okay, hugged him. Thanks for having me. I loved it. I had a great time. Run in there. I knew it was going to be close. Got to the, the gate, and I said, I'm on that plane. She said, sorry, you're not on that plane. That plane's wheels just left the runway. I knew it was going to be close, but I was just hoping that it, I just, actually, I was in prayer. Lord, let me make that plane. And God, for some reason, didn't let me make that plane. I was so ticked at that guy. And I just, he was gone. So there was nobody to be ticked at, you know. So I just, you know, called my wife and just dumped on her how much ticked I was on that guy. Have you ever done anything like that? Am I making you feel any better about yourself? Uh, hang on, it gets better. I, I get rebooked. And so I get rebooked on this flight and uh, it lands in Memphis and then it's going to go to uh, St. Louis. So... I get on the flight, and um, uh, I, I did something that, well, let me just say this. If you guys don't want to talk to somebody on an airplane, just tell them you're a minister. <laughs> Conversation's over, okay? Hey, what do you do? I'm a minister. I preach the Word of God. We done here? Um <laughs> So, now I wasn't that rude. This is what I did. I just didn't want to talk to anybody, so I got my Bible out. I got my Bible out, and I see this guy, I see these people coming. I just put my Bible, and I figured nobody's going to sit by me when I've got my Bible out. So I got my Bible out, and I'm reading it while people are getting on. But this was in Memphis. And this guy gets on, and he sits down beside me, or, you know, seated in between us, but he sits there. And he says, hi, sir. And I said, Hi. How you doing? Doing fine. So I just kept on. I, I, I kept my nose in my Bible for practically that entire flight. I wasn't reading it. I should have been, but I wasn't. I just kept on because I didn't want to talk to anybody. I didn't want to talk to him. I didn't want to talk to anybody. I was done talking. I've been talking all weekend. I don't want to talk anymore. He was probably thinking, man, that must be a captivating page in that Bible because he's never turned the page. <laughs> And I'm just sitting there, staring at the Bible. We're about 30 minutes from landing in St. Louis. And we'd, you know, we'd had the beverage, you know, we'd had the Diet Cokes and whatever. And, 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 and he asked me what my name was, and I told him my name was Tom. And so anyway, we're just con- I just continued not to talk. We're about 30 minutes from landing, and he turns over to me and he says, Hey, Tom, can I ask you a question? And I said, Sure. He said, Do you pray? And I said, yeah, I pray. He said, I thought maybe you did. I was just wondering if you'd pray for my daughter. And I said, sure, how can I pray for your daughter? He said, well, I just got finished visiting her in prison. You see, six months ago, my daughter shot and murdered my wife. 
And he said, her brothers won't have anything to do with her. I'm the only one that will talk to her. He said, drugs are an awful thing. Now I want you to know something, folks. At that moment, he could care less if I was sanguinolic, melancholy. He could care less what education I had. He could care less what degrees I had. All he wanted to know was, do you care? And I said, yeah, I'll pray for you. And we prayed. And we prayed for his daughter. And folks, I want you to know that as we in discover and develop our personalities and hone them to where they're honoring to God. It doesn't make any difference which one you are, how the labels of the test show up. You know what matters? With that personality, do you love one another? Would you just bow your head and close your eyes? Before we close out, let me ask you this question. Do you know that God loves you? Have you allowed him to love you? Could be that some of you are here today and you're curious about God. You believe somewhat in him, but you've never given him your life. You know, Jesus gave his life for you. When he died on the cross, he paid sin's penalty for you and me so that you and I could spend eternity in heaven with him. That happens by being born again into his family. And you're born again through a conversation. When I was 17, I had a conversation with God and I prayed and said, Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I know I don't deserve your love. But I ask that you'll forgive me of all of my sin, yesterday, today, and forever. And I pray that you come into my life. I believe in you. Make me a part of your family. And he did. If you've never prayed a prayer like that or had a conversation with God like that, the God who loves you and made you and let his son, son die on the cross for you, maybe you can ask him to come into your life right now. Would you just pray right now and say, Lord, I know I'm a sinner. Please forgive me of my sin. Come into my life. I believe in you. Make me a part of your family. The best I know how, I'm going to live for you from now on. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If that is you, um, I will be up here at the end. Karen will be here. Tom will be here. Rhonda's right there. Julie's right there. Josh is right there. Uh, we would love to talk to you about your relationship with, with Christ. Looking forward to seeing many of you tonight. Uh, five o'clock is our start time, so be a little early. If you would say, May, I, I didn't sign up, it's okay. Um, we, we mainly need to know from a child care standpoint, and again, we could use some extra hands. If you wouldn't mind being extra hands to help us with, ch with our children's activities, this is Sarah Aiken right here. If you'll just let Sarah know, hey, I can help tonight uh, if you need us, but don't don't not come just because you didn't register. We do want you to come tonight. We'll make it work out. Let's stand. Once you find about 32 people that you didn't get to say hello to earlier, let them know that you were glad they were here today. We'll see you tonight.